Hola, compañeros. It's time for the Spaghetti Westerns podcast with your hosts, Senor J. Jennings e Tom Betts. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Time in Spaghetti Westerns podcast. I am Jay Jennings, Spaghetti Westerns collector, and uh, our esteemed co-host is the one and only Tom Betts. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hi, Jay. Look at that. You can see my kitchen. There you go. So we want to wake, welcome you all to the show, and uh, we have a special show for you on the podcast, and it's on the Spaghetti Westerns of Mark Damon, handsome guy who's still with us, thankfully. <laughs> Not in that capacity, but he's actually living and breathing. There he is. Uh, Johnny Oro, Tom? Yeah, Johnny Oro. Okay. So anyway, uh, we're proud to cover his spaghetti western films. He made a lot of horror and uh, giallo as well. But we're concentrating on his spaghetti westerns. That we, some of them are classics. I think maybe one or two are. And uh, the last few, like in Always the Career... Um, they, it kind of gets to either a comedy or, um, or they move on to other things. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about his career. I guess first I'll, or to Mark Damon, he's actually one of my favorite spaghetti Western actors, Tom. How about yours? Um, he's not in the top five. He's like a, to me, he's a lower class Juliana Gemma. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you why, because if it's, it's his horror background, you know, he's in, I think, The House of Usher, and, stu- and he made a couple of uh, Corman horror films, and I just like his overall, uh, one of the appeal, kind of like an Anthony Steffen type to me, Tom. Yeah, I told But you're you right, he didn't have as many roles, but in the five or six he made, he's creepy and kill and prey, Tom, that, that's yeah, for that, sure. Requiescent, or requiescent. Yep. I, I told you last week before we started the show, I saw him in a Wells, Tales of Wells Fargo episode that comes on Encore Westerns the other night. That's the first time I think I've ever seen him on TV. I don't remember him back in the 50s at all as a television actor, but basically in movies, and they were, you know, Roger Corman-type uh, horror movies. Right. So uh, anyway, uh, as I said, I know he's not everybody's favorite, and he's, he hasn't. He's only made like six or seven or eight uh, spaghetti westerns. I heard he was supposed to have made a couple more that Tom will tell us about. But uh, I guess I'll Tom. I'll just segue. I'll read the first bit about his birth, and then Tom uh, can take over about Mark Damon. And here's a, one of my favorite shots, Tom, from uh, Johnny Yuma. Johnny Yuma. Yep. Okay, so let's see. Uh, he made. Let's see how many he made. Well, his first, well, we all know he made. He was born. Oh, uh, well, he also goes by M. Damon or Alan Harris. Tom. Uh, yeah. The the, room, but, the thing was in his bio. His uh, he went by Alan Harris was his birth name, but that's not the not the truth. That's not going to get you a marquee no. headlining name at a movie theater. So Mark Damon wins with Vincent Price, of course. But anyway, so uh, he was um, born April 22nd, 1933 in Chicago, um, named Harris. They moved to L.A. where he went to Fairfax High School, as did my own mother and brother, Tom, and, and uncle. So they both went to Fairfax in the, in the 50s. Uh, a lot of celebrity actors went, as he did. Uh, scouted as an actor his senior year by Groucho Marx. Um, I like your kids. Come join me on your bet your <laughs> wife. I mean life. But anyway, Tom, uh, he was going to do a business uh, career. He did get an MBA in it, 
but he took acting classes and that was that, like most celebrities. Could it be like the same time period of uh, James Dean, Tom? I think every actor started out as something else. Either, either, either their parents <laughs> wanted to become a doctor Tom. or a lawyer or something, and they went to college and took classes, and then they decided that they wanted to become an actor. Well, he uh, you already showed it, but I'll show the <laughs> That's just a yeah. jest while we're live, Tom. Um, he, I think his most famous role is, of course, Ringo and the Golden Pistol. Oh, I say Johnny Yuma. Oh, no, no. He's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody, Audie Murphy could have played that role, but there's only <laughs> one Johnny Oro, Tom. But anyway, I'll just quickly say he signed a, a, a contract in 56 with 20th Century Fox. He was in Between Heaven and Hell in 56 and The Rebel Breed in 57. Then in 1960, of course, very memorable in The House of Usher, which I love that film, won a Golden Globe Award of The Star of Tomorrow. And then Tom will take over from there. This is where I guess his Italian career picked up. Yeah, he received an invitation from Lucino Visconti to come to Rome where he relocated and appeared in over 40 films. I don't think we uh, really think of him as making that many films in Europe and Italy, but he made more films there than he did in the States. Uh, he was considered for the role of Django by Sergio Corbucci after they had worked on the basic story and plot together. He was also considered for the lead in 1962's Boccaccio 70, which was given to Tomas Milian, who we covered. So he missed out on two roles, Tom. Yeah, missed out on, on two because he had other, uh, so he had signed for other roles. Right. Uh, Damon says he was offered the role of the man with no name, which he turned down, even though Leone begged him to accept the role. Tom, uh, that's three roles he turned down. Yeah, so when he, I say he could have been bigger, it's not. Uh, yeah. it's, it's his own fault that he wasn't. That's right. <laughs> Although the 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 uh, man with no name is disputable because uh, uh, every we've proven that Sergio. Well, the story is that Tom, uh, you auditioned for the man with no name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see what where am I? Yeah, he begged him to take the role. Sergio then asked him since he knew everyone in Hollywood to help him find someone to play the part. Uh, Damon suggested Clint Eastwood, which we know is incorrect. As he says, Sergio flew to Los Angeles and interviewed Eastwood, and they signed a contract. Well, Professor Christopher Frayling found Leone's passport a few years ago when he was writing his Once Upon a Time in the West uh, book, and Leone didn't come to L.A. until 1965, and that was to sign Lee Van Cleef. So the story about uh, him ex being offered the role of the man with no name and Leone coming and signing Eastwood is totally B.S. Anyways... Uh, Mark eventually gave up acting in the mid-1970s to become a film producer. Uh, he first entered the world of independent sales and production in the 1970s while living and working in Italy, where he saw a huge market for independent international distributors eager for top American movies. He returned to the U.S. in 1977 and founded PSO, Producer Sales Organization. His goal was to sell important American pictures to international distributors, the first such company to do compete with the major studios. Damon's subsequent success with PSO led to his reputation as the inventor of the foreign sales business and the brains behind independent film production. Damon was produce, producer or executive producer for over 70 films, and his films have received 10 Oscar nominations, including uh, Ever, ever, ever ending, ever last, ever ending story, never ending story. That's what uh, you keep saying, Tom. 
Never nine and a half weeks. Das Boot. Uh, never say never again were some of the ones that he was involved in. Uh, Damon has been married to actress Barbara Frey, which we'll talk about. Appeared in one of his films, uh, Requiescent, and he's also today he's married to Margaret Markoff, and they have two children. Right. So as you said, he's still with us. The last time I saw Mark Damon was could have been for a he could have been sitting right next to me, and I didn't even know it. No, but I, I do have his, auto, his autograph, but he signed it in the 50s. So I picked this up at an auction many years ago when it was tough to find a Spaghetti Western star actor. But oh, yeah. anyway, um, where did I meet him, Tom? At the Aero Theater in, in Santa Monica. Not 2000, I'm going to say 2008 or seven. It was a screening. Oh, it was a screening of one of the Poe films. Anyways, Mark Carmen was there. I took a picture with him beforehand uh, and his wife, uh, Julie. And um, anyway, so Mark Damon was sitting next to me and I didn't know it. So he was the speaker after the film. So when they said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Damon is here. And he stood up like right next. Oh, holy <laughs> shit. I could have been chatting with him. Yeah. You know, but screw this film. Usher, let's talk about, you know, Johnny Yuma and Oro and... And they call me Viridus <laughs> or Viridus. Which one is it? I think I got a case of Viridus now, Tom. Really? Yeah, but anyway, he was very gentlemanly, very cordial, very intelligent. And he is a big time producer, or he was uh, back a few years ago, Tom. Yeah, he was part of the uh, 2011 Los Angeles Spaghetti Western conference that we had in uh, North Hollywood. And I interviewed him after one of his films that he did with uh, Anthony Steffen, uh, Dead Men Don't Count. Right. And the, the first thing I asked him was about the film and about uh, Anthony Steffen. He says, I haven't seen that film since from today for 40 years. He says, I don't remember a thing about it. I remember the, the screening the first time they had it. A yeah. lot of these celebs, are, they're very kind of, uh, what do you call humble that way. They make a, or they're eccentric. They make a film and they don't want to see themselves. Once the, the, a lot of actors are like that. Once it's in the can, their job is done. It's not their job to watch it. Uh, a lot of, you know, that chip on the shoulder, you know, hey, I'm cool. Hey, if I'm in a couple of movies, I'm watching them, especially if you're in them, Tom. Uh, <laughs> if he did 40 films over there, he was probably busy doing another film and didn't have time to go see it at the theater. Right. In those days, they didn't have video or DVD, so. Right. <coughs> so let's, Tom, you got some VIX for that or you're okay? Uh, I'm still fighting the sinus. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're going to go through some of his, well, some of them, his, all his Spaghetti Westerns, and the few he didn't make as well. Tom, the first one, his first Spaghetti Western could have been, but it never was, was it, Tom? Yeah, there was one called Before the Sun Rises in 1963 that he was signed to make and never made it. All I can find out about it was it's supposed to have been a Mexican Revolution film. That's all I can tell you about it. That's it? Never yet. Never came to be. <laughs> uh, anyway, so welcome once again to the show. We'll start doing his official Spaghetti Westerns. That's Tom Betts. I'm Jay Jennings. And we're here every week on uh, live on Facebook and YouTube. And then we're also recorded and taped and archived for future references, Tom, on Apple, Google, uh, Anchor, and Spotify. We've made it, Mob. Top of the world. <laughs> 
So you can never get your fill, but those versions are audio only. So that's the best of this show. There's about 12 or 11 episodes up. My webmaster's telling me, uh, who is it? it? It's Gertrude, Tom. Gertrude. Right. Our light manager, 88-year-old, and she runs my website. But thank you for watching our show. Uh, very loyal fan base, Tom, from... Uh, the United States, to Japan, to Romania, to Yugoslavia, to Germany, to the UK, all around the world, Tom. So, but I think it's mostly to you. They want to hear what oh, you sure. have to say. I, it's not oh, to sure. hear me yap. Yep. But uh, anyway, today is Mark Damon Day on the Spaghetti Western podcast. And I guess his first film, a legitimately con considered a classic. I know it's big in, in Spain and Mexico, Tom, but... Uh, what do you say? Is this a top 20, Tom? Yeah, this would be a top 20 film, sure. And what are we talking about? We're talking about Johnny Oro Johnny or Oro. Ringo. Yep, or Ringo and his Golden Pistol. Yep. Right. That's a good one to start with as far as getting into the uh, groove of the Spaghetti Westerns, his first one. Uh, it was made I mean, in 1965 and directed by Sergio Carbucci. Um, stars Mark Damon, Tori Manny, Valeria Fabrizi, uh, Loris Lodi plays a little kid in this, and Julia Rabini. And it's a body bounty hunter named Johnny Oro, who's played by Mark Damon. He kills three Perez brothers, but spares the fourth one because he has no price on his head. This sounds like $10,000 for a massacre <laughs> in Juliana Gemma. If you haven't got a price on your head, I'm not interested in you. Go away. Anyways, later, Oro is arrested for illegally carrying firearms and dynamite <laughs> In the nearby town by what Sheriff is that, Bill Antifa, Norton. Tom? Pardon? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Seattle. It was uh, played by Sheriff Bill Norton's played by Tori Manny. Anyways, uh, Oro's thrown in jail. He's forced to watch the town, how the town is besieged by Juanito Perez, the spared brother, and a gang he has assembled who want to kill him. The sheriff sets him free, and Oro blows up the entire town. <laughs> But uh, Johnny Oro comes. <laughs> I'm coming from, back to burn the town, Tom. The, the 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 Oro comes from. He loves gold. He's got a gold cigarette holder. His pistol is gold, and uh, that's why he goes after the big bounties. Oh man, you sure this but, isn't uh, Portland, Oregon today, Tom? Yeah, I'm sure Portland or Seattle. Right. They probably the leader saw this film and followed those orders. Just making a comment. No, no big deal. Anyway. Uh, the film was made prior to Django, Tom. It has that yeah, Django where, feel to it. That's where uh, Carbucci and uh, Damon worked on the uh, story for Django. And, it's pre-Django, uh, Tom. That's why, yeah, Damon was basically going to be in the, in the film, but since it wasn't done until after this film, he was involved in something else. So Imagine Mark Damon as Django, Tom. Yeah, it could be. I you can know, see the, it. We don't, we don't know the script. They, they could have changed the script to fit... Nero, Tom, you know. they're all interchangeable. Damon, yep. Stefan. Only, the only person who you knew would get the role was uh, Peter Lee Lawrence because ain't nobody looking yeah, like him. No, no, he couldn't. So uh, the, all these guys were fighting for roles. We've interviewed them. Yep. It's like an Italian casting agent. Oh, here, oh Anthony Stefan is here. Here's Robert Woods. And the, oh, hey, Mark Damon, nice to see you. All gentlemen, take a seat. They'd all front of the screen, read it in Italian. Boom, one of them is chosen, or one of them was given the role first, and they turned it down. 
I, listen, I'm just. This is just conjecture. I don't know if there, if all these great spaghetti western legends would appear like a Hollywood audition, and Never there know. they are. All there's Stefan and Nero and Hill, and they're all just standing there with a script. Are you up for this, uh, Barrio? Yes, I am. Nice to see you, Franco. So, I, what, you, what do you think, Tom? You think that's far fetched, or was it given to the agents? No, I think so. I think Carbucci. Uh... And the producers interviewed these people, or at least had pictures of them and stuff like that, that they could get an idea of what they would look like in the part. And, and Tom, whose uh, who's, uh, outfit is um, Oh, I was Johnny's, just going to say, uh, you saw that he was dressed all in black. I wonder who he looks like. He looks like Paladin and Have Gun Will Travel because Carbucci was a big fan of that TV series. Uh, yeah, you put a mustache. It's Richard Boone with a mustache, yeah, Richard Tom. Boone, yep. There you go. Actually, great scene holding the urn, Tom. Mm-hmm. Or is that dynamite? Tom? That's probably nitroglycerin in that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So yeah, and then he lets sets the town on fire, and that's that. Usually, the film starts with the town on fire. Yeah, but this but one remember, just ends with glorifying it. Remember, there's a cannon at the end of town, and he's got his dynamite hidden in there before he they put him in jail. Right. I love. I really, there. really enjoy. Yep. Uh, this film, Tom. Of course, it's. Uh, I think it's one of the lower, and it's the lower 20, but it's still a cult film. I mean, it's a Corbucci movie. You can't cite, you know what I mean? Like The Mercenary. Yep. So anyway, okay, that's a great film. Where is it available on, Tom? Oh, this one? I think it's on, uh, it's on DVD and Blu-ray. Okay. So um, Go out and find it. You won't, you won't. It's kind of like uh, one of the Pecos films, Tom. It's like this film is to Damon what My Name is Pecos is to Robert Woods. Oh, yeah, right. At least that's this, my this opinion. This made his name and his character after this is based on this type of uh, a role. I asked him at the uh, convention, so many times his name is Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, right? And I, I Johnny said, Angel. Yeah, is there any any reason for that? He just like like he'd never hey, heard Johnny. that before. That nope. It's a cool nope. name. Yep. And especially for a spaghetti western star. That's why they had that uh, the the small figure toy Johnny West. Tom. Here you go. So all the kids would Johnny dig West. it. But moving yep. right along, how often did you do you get to make? one cult film after another and they have the same freaking first name i mean he didn't have to do much but he's kind of the same character without the mustache tom <laughs> yeah. johnny yuma there he johnny is. yuma johnny oro yep this was that's a great double by, bill uh, by the way directed by romulo guerreri 1966 italian uh stars mark damon lawrence dobkin Rosalba neri and lewis vanner i think uh Rosalba Neri plays the hardest female character in Spaghetti Westerns in this film. She's got a fantastic role for a woman. Anyways, it's about Samantha Felton, played by Neri, convinces her brother Pedro, played by Louis Vanner, to help her murder her husband in order to get their hands on his ranching empire, only to discover that he has left everything to his nephew, Johnny Yuma, played by Mark Damon. Samantha decides to hire her ex-lover, the ruthless bounty killer Lawrence Carradine. Lawrence Dobkin plays that role to get rid of Yuma. When Johnny arrives in town, he discovers the plan against him, forms a mutual respect for Carradine, and the two set out to find the hidden will which could upset Samantha's evil plans. This is sort of like Cemetery Without Crosses where the lover goes and hires up 
her ex-lover to seek revenge on a murdered relative. Only this one isn't a murdered relative. It's a relative that's still alive that's going to take her fortune away from her. I was going to say, Tom, before Gertrude pulled the uh, audio <laughs> plug, uh, Johnny Yuma ain't no cemetery without crosses. Right, oh, no. Tom? I mean, one's a classic art film that you think Bergman directed. And one is, is pretty good. But anyway, I've got some uh, photographs from the film. Uh, kind of a more, uh, I don't know, he's always, you know, let's give him credit. He plays a greasy character sometimes. You know, filthy, dirty, kind of uh, Trinity-like, but with dark hair, Tom. Yeah, this one, he's, he's a gunfighter. He's slick. Uh, he's always got smart-aleck lines. And, uh, you know, he's not to be trifled with. The one scene in here is when he meets Carradine and they start this admiration society for each other. They switch gun belts because they admire each other. And without knowing if you watch the film, one's right-handed and one's left-handed. But when they strap the gun belts on, it, it automatically still works, Tom. fits. Yeah, exactly. So a lot, a lot of fans have commented that their gun belts shouldn't be that way. But, you know. Right, and of course the 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 uh, unforgettable theme song, Tom. Oh yeah, Johnny Yuma. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I hope people stuck around today just to hear you do that. By the Wilder Brothers, it's a great one. Yep. But uh, anyway, so uh, no, it's a great film. Uh, I got oh, got a couple to show from it. Let's move on. This is uh, who's this character actor, Tom? I forgot. God, I can't tell. What do, you, what do you mean? That, you know who I that is, Tom? The guy I don't know. Well, it's Damon, but that's, I don't know who he's playing. That's the, yeah. He's the member. He, he flipped meats in, uh, in Alice. <laughs> What's his name again? Vic Tabak, Tom. Vic Tabak, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea. No, you know who that is? That's Edward Platt, Tom, from Get Smart. Edward Platt? You didn't know he made a spaghetti western? No, I did not. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the brand of cigar they're smoking? Was that a Cuban, Tom? I don't know. Look at <laughs> I heard he only smokes Cuban on the set. It could be. Uh, yeah, and then this memorable there. scene, Tom. Yeah, that's that's when they're uh, getting getting ready for the showdown. Oh, it, it reeks of, of of Cassidy and and Sundance, well, Tom. Either that, or it, re, it uh, reeks of uh, Mortimer and No Name at the end of for a few dollars more, where they yeah. face down the bandits. Yeah. So anyway, so Johnny Yuma classic that came right after uh, Johnny Oro. Johnny Oro, yep. You know, how often is that is that going to happen? It's just basically, I enjoy both films, so you can't go wrong with either one. Nope. Uh, next, Tom, is Death Does Not Count the Dollars, one of my favorite titles of all time. And um, he plays, it's funny, it's Harry Boyd or Jeffries, Tom. Yeah, this one's this one's it goes from two great films to a mediocre. This one's yep. more of a uh, mystery, like one of the like Robert Wood's Gatling Gun, than uh, being a Johnny Yuma, Johnny Oro type. And it's also known as No Killing Without Dollars and Death at Owl Rock, which is the weirdest title. Ooh. Owl, Owl Rock becomes the town's name, but it was uh, 1966, directed by George Lincoln. Well, who in the heck is George Lincoln? That's 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 horror Lincoln great. Tate's uh, dad, Tom. No, it's horror great Ricardo Frida. So uh, no kidding, Tom. Yep. <laughs> stars, uh, Mark Damon, Stephen Forsyth, who's a Canadian, Luciana Gilly, 
uh, Pamela Tudor, Giovanni Pazzafini, and our friend from the Demofiliano Fadani group, Dino Strano, or Dean Stratford. Oh, we love Nino Strano. We love him, yeah. Anyways, Lawrence and Jane White, played by Stephen Forsyth and Luciana Gilly, are determined to find the man responsible for their father's murder. They suspect a number of people in the town of Owl Rock, so they hire a professional gunfighter named Harry Boyd or Harry Jeffries, played by Damon, to help them in their quest for vengeance. Oh, that's it, Tom. That is the plot line, yep. Right. So I think it's actually was known in the States as Death at O.L. Rock. Death at O.L. Rock, yeah. But uh, we're going to take a look at uh, some um, photos from it. So any interesting tidbits from the set, Tom? I've got nothing behind the scenes about this thing. I mean, I've, I've seen it once because it's uh, pretty hard to find. Oh, well, I have it, there, of course. There, there he's dressed in black again. Right. Or it could be wanted. <laughs> him, Gemma. What, what did I tell you? They're all interchangeable. There's like five of them, you know, like, of course, Hill and um, Nero. And yeah. other ones, you know, Damon and uh, Gemma. And then uh, you can take any of the sidekicks like Sambrell or, uh, or Brega and F Sancho. Rana, yep. Yeah, they're all interchangeable. That's what made yeah. him great. Yep. Sometimes it's like you don't know who's it. Oh, that's who that is because he's played him 16 times. Mm -hmm. Yep. But it, right. So the other thing about this one, Jay, is yeah. in the very beginning, you know who the bad guy is, you know who the villain is. So there's no mystery to it. It's just a matter of them finding out who it is. So that's that's sort of a strike against it. Well, and it's got your typical guy in the tub with his senorita and daughter watching. Yeah. But the, the Frida influence comes in the very beginning. There's an onlooker that sees the uh, murder, and they have a doctor surgically remove his tongue. Well, so that's a nice horror touch. But after no, that's, that, it, that's why I love this mellow. film. Yeah, uh, because of Frida's directing this, uh, Ricardo Frida, and yeah. uh, uh, it's got to have those Mario Bava type touches. You know, weird kind of mysterious colors, scheme, weird yeah. framing. So it is kind of a little different. Frida said that it was that more well violent known, Tom. than the final product because the producers cut the violent scenes out because they wanted to release it at more like a Ringo movie. And and what happened then, Tom? Well, that's it gets the way lost it ended in the, up. It they gets lost the, in the shuffle. It gets lost, lost in the shuffles, right. Yep. And this is one of those obscure ones. Um, Death Does Not Count the Dollars, one of the great titles. Tom, if they were to remake this today... Christopher Lambert, maybe, Tom? Yeah, maybe. Or that, uh, or what's that? Um, about, <laughs> that that French actor, Yves Montand. Yves Montand. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe Matt Damon could play Mark Damon today. Uh, yeah, that's great, Tom. I hope, I hope to God not. <laughs> uh, the next film, Requiescent, Tom. Uh, we've covered that film when we did, I think we had a Lou Castell Film Festival. <laughs> And, um, but we never talked too much about Mark Damon's role in it, which I think is what his Barnaby Collins, Barnabas Collins. Yeah. Uh, it's, he's, he's almost like a zombie or, or meets Boris Karloff this way to the, to your bedroom, thuh. Yeah. He lives in a castle. Yep. Got this dark eye makeup. Jay and I were debating on whether Claudio Camasso was offered the role and turned it down or. I, you know, he, or this is what I'm talking to you about, Tom. I mean, this, this sells it. 
Welcome to my castle. Waiting for the fangs to pop out. That or a midnight snack, Tom. Yep. But uh, as a ghoul. So that's why I love this film, because as some of you don't know, I also love classic horror and hammer horror. And uh, when I saw this for for the first time, because I saw it later, you know, when it came out, we didn't get to see this, Tom, at least me, until a few years ago. I was like, oh, this is cool. Not only is it a cool film about a little midget assassin who reads (laughs) the Bible, but uh, Mark Damon is like this ghoul is extra icing on the cake, Tom. Yep. It's a 1967 Italian German. So maybe the German influence came into the horror side. Uh, directed by Carlo Lozani. Stars Luke Castell, Mark Damon, Piero Paoli, Pasolini. And uh, Damon's future wife, Barbara Frey, is in this playing Princey. And this one is about uh, requiescent. Luke Castell is a young Mexican who, as a boy, was adopted by a devoutly religious family following the massacre of his village. He leaves his family to rescue his adopted sister from the clutches of George Bellow Ferguson, played by Mark Damon, a racist confederate. He quickly learns... Wait, Tom, to, Tom, a racist confederate. Racist, racist confederate uh, was he a registered confederate? No, he was no, he was, he was, uh, he was, a, uh, he was just on his own. Oh, I see. Anyways, uh, he learns really quickly that he's a natural talent as a gunfighter and gets his revenge for the massacre of his family. So uh, I always say Damon reverts back to his horror film acting ability in like House of Usher. The eye makeup, he wears a cape sometimes, makes him look like a vampire. He lives in a villa. One of the best scenes has him competing in a drinking shooting competition in the basement of his mansion. Well, you know, it's funny, Tom. I think there is one part in the scene, unless I'm about to show the wrong film. <laughs> this is Tom, I'm about to say, well, later in the film when he's wearing normal clothes, I had this in the file. I'm sure it's not from the right film, Tom, yeah, is it? Well, I, it could be. Is the he normal for five seconds same. in this film? I forgot. It could be. He could be. Okay. I had this in my uh, kill and pray file, Tom. Yeah. So... It looks like an episode of Man from Uncle Tom. It looks like he's got a uh, you know a Western tie on, not a. This could be later after he's free from the vampire's curse. Could be. You know the makeup becomes less ghoulish, and he can actually carry on a conversation. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, a gr- great film. Requi- requiescent. <laughs> yeah, it's also known as what have I got? Several English titles. Kill and pray, Tom. Kill, kill and say your prayers. Let them rest and kill and pray. Right. And it's on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, so the, the, the next Castell film character changes because he started out as avenge for his family's murder. Then he gets involved with a peasant's plight against Mark Damon's tyrannical r- rule. So right, we've covered this film before. Yep. We, we've covered most of these films, but not together to describe one actor's career. So we yep. thought that would kind of be fun. And then uh, Barbara Frey, again, I'll mention, he was, she was married to Mark Damon from 71 to 73. Oh, okay. And she plays Princey in this, The Girl He Has to Rescue. So Mark Damon, after that, got to be in another pretty good, damn good film, Tom. It's an Anthony, Anthony Steffen uh, vehicle. But A Train for Durango is actually a fun watch, Tom. Uh, if you say so. For me, it is. It is for you. Yeah, it's, well, it's one of these uh, You films. know why? Why? Um, it's the young lady there on the train, Tom. Oh, yeah. Um, Dominique Bouchero, yep. 
<laughs> the, pro- the problem I have with it, it it tries to be like a few of these. Magnificent Seven? Well, it doesn't know whether it wants to be a strictly a comedy or it wants to be a drama. Oh, yeah, that part I don't like either. So they mix it back and forth, and Damon's character comes in and out of the film, and about the time you think he's not going to show up again, he rides up in a car, and he and the girl, Brochero, are partners in trying to dupe these two out of uh, the, the gold. Well, but, Tom. Uh, Mexican revolutionary film. Well, another reason is I like his little uh, measly mustache. It's kind of like a weaselly. Yeah, it's uh, like the uh, snidely whiplash. Oh no, yeah. it looks like Vincent Price. Hmm. Thank you very much, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, well, it looks it looks real. The one on John Saxon in that uh, uh, we we came, we saw, we shot. It looks like it was painted on, but uh, isn't yeah, we came, we saw, we shot? Isn't that a musical, Tom? <laughs> I thought okay. Antonio Sabato. Anyway, oh, that's right. Gringo, played by Anthony Stefan, and Luca, played by Enrico Maria Salerno, board the train for Durango, which is robbed by Mexican bandits led by Lobo, Roberto Camardiel. The safe is stolen. A French madam, Dominic Bouchero, is kidnapped, and everyone is killed except Luca and Gringo, who find the keys to the safe and take off to steal it back. Aided by a mysterious American named Samuel Lee Barrett or Elias McPherson, which is Mark Damon and his arsenal of weaponry, uh, the the film goes back and forth between a slapstick comedy and drama. That that's the part I don't like. If it just yeah. would have stuck, it could have been like a little mini revolutionary movie. But yeah. you're right; they added some tongue and cheek stuff in there. And as my opinion, as well as a lot of fans out there, I just maybe near the end, if you're making you know two turkeys, a lima bean, and a karate <laughs> chop, uh, that's okay. But not or 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 a or a uh, Franco Ciuccio, yep, Ciccio well, movie. Tom. It was written by Ducio Tassari, so it's sort of a disappointment because he was the writer also for a few dollars more, and a bullet for the general. So he could write hardcore, dra- dramatic films and revolutionary films. It, it it drags in places too. Well, it had a little mercenary in it, Tom. There you go. Look at machine gun. Look at the hat. <laughs> It's one of my favorite scenes, but he looks so snidely there, like he's about yeah. to go, yeah, uh-uh. Uh-huh. Snidely whiplash. Yeah, every time they get into a predicament, he's uh, there to help get out of right. it. Right. So. Kind of a side, yeah. He yeah. didn't star in Guardian this thing. angel, yep. It's like, what would you compare this to, Tom, to El, uh, uh, El Chuncho? Yeah, it's, about, a, con- with like it's the a combination comedy? of a bunch of films, yep. Yeah, it had, it had the possibility, but it just didn't deliver the goods. But anyway, so... Uh, after A Train for Durango, Tom, we had a film, another great title. Uh, not only does death does not count the dollars, and I guess in another existence, de- dead men don't count. They're always a takeoff on a previous film or a film afterwards, and then pretty soon they all become confusing, Tom, because yeah. they all have the word dead in it or does not count or a few dollars for... And we did a show on alternate titles. I think we picked Dead Men like, Don't Cast Shadows. I mean, there's a lot of right. titles that are very similar. Or, or uh, Here Come the, the Vultures, Better Lie Down and Take It Like a Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was also known as Cry for Revenge, The Dead Are Countless, and Dead Men Don't Count. Uh, it's right. directed by Rafael Marchant, so it's a Spanish-Italian co-production. Uh, stars Anthony Stefan, Mark Damon, Louis and Dooney. Maria Martin and Dianic Zurakowski, who's in all the Peter Lee Lawrence films. Uh, yeah, I, I like the poster. It's kind of cool. Yep. 
This one's about two gunmen right into town and with the plan to collect a large unearned bounty but are caught up in the local war for land caused by the impending arrival of the railroad. So you know who the two gunmen are. They're Anthony Stephan and Mark Damon. Right. Yep. This one's a confusing introduction with an adulterous woman, Maria Martin, planning on Who doesn't love Maria husband. Martin, Tom? Pardon? Maria Martin. Maria Martin? Uh, I don't care for her. She's very... <laughs> Very hard looking, a little older than she's supposed to be. Well, okay, I still like it that way. Okay. Okay. Anyways, she plans on killing her husband, Lewis and Dooney, and two men, Fred, Johnny, Johnny Dalton, played by Damon, involved in a massacre within a ruined church. Then the film jumps nearly twenty years, and Damon becomes involved with a couple because the gunny wears causes the and Dooney and Martin couple to believe he is their long lost son. So it's sort of like, what what's going on here, you know? And this is the one I interviewed uh, Damon on it. Oh, wait, well, he didn't remember he, anything. He didn't remember a thing about it. <laughs> 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 well, Robert action. Woods doesn't remember a few, Tom. He doesn't remember the one about the snakes. That's right. Well, you listen, when you when you become up in that age and you're a legend, you're given a pass. Uh, yeah. You can't remember every film, good or bad, that you made, mostly the bad ones. But also, the there's two composers out, credited for the music, but uh, I think one of them was credited just as a uh, tax purpose. Uh, Resort Alani really has nothing to do with the score. It's strictly Marcel Giambini. Well, it's listen. It's another listen. It's another pairing of two legends. Yep, those are. And they did good. it with Peter Lee Lawrence and um, who else? Stephen. John Ireland. And John Ireland. So it's just, I love when they pair two of, you're lucky when you get two. I'm not talking about a, um, a Hill Spencer team. I'm talking about, it's almost right. like you roll the dice. What two spaghetti Western stars are you going to pair in this film? Yep. And it, you know, oh, we lucked out. It's, it's Clint, Eli, and Lee Van Cleef. There you go. So <laughs> anyway, uh, one more shot from the film. Who's that guy in the right, Tom? He's like Piero Lully. That's not Gene Wilder, or, Tom? Or Luli. No, it's not Gene okay. Wilder. It's not Harry Carey either. Oh no, it was Harry Mc, it was McDonald Carey, Tom. McDonald Carey? Yeah. Uh the music, two two uh composers, but only one, Tom? Yeah, like I said, it's not Rizard Alani. Everybody would recognize it. Rizard Alani score. It's gotta be a GM Beanie. So it's gotta be GM Beanie, Tom. Rizard Alani was just put in there for tax purposes. Right. I actually enjoyed this film. You say it has good action, but no substance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not a bad film. Sometimes Tom and I won't agree. That's fine. Um, I actually like Matalo, and he likes Rita. Right, Tom? <laughs> I hate both of them. Mark Damon's next film, Go for Broke, where he gets to team with the aforementioned John Ireland, Tom. Yeah, this one's also known as uh, One for All, Guns of Courage, and All Out, uh, we know. All Out's the one I think it was released as. Yeah, both of them here, All Out and Go For Broke. Uh, it's a 68 Italian-Spanish co-production directed by Humbert Humphrey, who's actually Umberto Lenzi. So has, That's very John cool, Ireland. by the way. Pardon? Uh, Umberto Lenzi is a classic yeah. horror director. See, now they got him on there as Umberto Lenzi, but in in Italy, they he went by Humbert Humphrey. Right. Well, sometimes, as you see, a horror director will take the reins like Fulci yeah. and Bava. And this could be a re-release too, Jay, where he was known now as a horror director, so they used his real name on the poster. 
But anyways, it stars John Ireland, Mark Damon, Fernando Sancho, Monica Randall, and Jose Torres. And uh, this is about an Italian named Copperface. I'm sorry, an Indian named Copperface. Not an Italian, an Indian. Played by Jose Torres is suspected to have stolen a large quantity of gold from a bank. A gunslinger named Owl, played by John Ireland, and a young card sharp played by Johnny, played John, named Johnny Sweet, played by Damon, form a partnership when they hear the rumors about the gold. Also interested in the gold are two Mexicans, Eduardo Fajardo and Armando Calvo. To the best. They also have to deal with a ruthless Mexican bandit leader, Carrancha, played by our buddy Fernando Sancho, and his gang of cutthroats and a lovely but duplicitous Senorita Maria, played by Monica Randall. Uh, we've talked about this one before because of the Fernando Sancho context. But it's several re references to the Dollar Trilogy. There's a dun, da, dun, dun, da, yeah. dun. pocket watch, which means much <laughs> to the main villain and one of the partners. There's an uneven partnership between the older gunfighter and the young one and the double dealing in the treasure search. So. Tom, wouldn't it be nice if, if you're going to steal the pocket watch, uh, don't have the same music. Say, the All tune. the films have the same chime. It's like, really? can't you guys at least reverse or, or move the notes around? Yep. Uh, and then, of course, it uh, has a great good, bad, and the ugly reference, Tom. Oh, the line? Yeah. Men, men are divided into two categories. Those who, those who care the, the gold and those who take it away. take it away. There's that church you see, like Any Gun Can Play and a bunch of uh, others that they used to use. Right. But Copperface, isn't that used for Mondo a couple Mondo. other films, Tom? I'm sorry? Copperface. Yeah, Copperface. Another name that they used, that's right. <laughs> uh, we got one more great shot. It's the classic scene where he's behind the, the wagon wheel, Tom. There you go. It's always do or die in these movies, Tom. Well, I, I always want to know why they would use their pistol with a glove on. It makes it hard for the repeat uh, triggering, Tom. I, yeah, really. Just to pull the trigger, stick your finger we'll tell, through there. Well, tell that to um, <laughs> to Claude Aikens in the, the great uh, bank robbery, Tom. Well, Cemetery Without Crosses, Jay. He he puts his glove on when he's going to use his gun. So or, uh, or Nick Hart. Uh, Nick, uh, what's his name? Um, in the Big Valley, the uh, Peter Breck oh, yeah. character. He, yeah. uh, Nick Barkley, yeah. Yeah. He always wore gloves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, even for a fight, he kind of reminded me of a poor man's Neville Brand. Yeah. But, or vice versa, Tom. Peter Breck, yep. Right. And we see we got one. Oh, that's it for Go for Broke? Okay. Um, we move on. This is the part of the career where yeah. the title kind of will ruin what you're going to see later. And then, of course, the plot becomes tongue in cheek. You might as well go watch a, a movie called Homps. H-A-W-M-P-S-76 about a, a mule that can kick field goals. That's much better than this film. But, Tom, The Great Treasure Hunt? The Great Treasure Hunt, also known as Five for the Gold of Los Cuadros, The Great Chihuahua Treasure Hunt, uh, directed by Tonino, Tonino Ricci. That should give you a hint of how poor it is. Uh-oh. Uh, stars Mark Damon, Rosal Neri, Alfredo Mayo, Stan Cooper, Luis Marin. Um, but 1972, Jay, so that tells you we're into the comedy. Unfortunately, era. yeah. 
of either comedy or they start to use a lot of explosions instead of just gun downs. This one's about two crooked brothers, Sam and Matt and Madison Deem, played by Mark Damon and Stan Cooper, who become involved with a crooked gambler, Alfredo Mayo, and his companion Agnes, Rosalba Neri, and a blind Mexican. Together they travel to a heavily guarded fort in Chihuahua to steal a treasure. Uh, it's a suspected comedy film. It turns out to be more of an adventure film. So it's not as bad as you would think it would be, but uh, it's no Once Upon a Time in the West. We've seen it all before, Tom, with, with Franco Nero in, in, the, in the snow, Tom. Yep. Well, the I'm other bad part about reference. this is the blind Mexican turns out, not, turns out not to be blind at the end. So it's like, oh, they've been duped for three quarters of the film. Actually, Tom, this, I think they were trying to make uh, Damon Al Pacino, and they were trying to make Coop... Um, Robert Redford. Robert Redford, yeah, could be. In their own little film, their own little yep. Sundance and the Cassidy's. Yep. So remember when they did that? They were just reversed yep. the name, Tom? You knew right then you were in for Sundance, some fun. Sundance, Cassidy, and Butch the Kid. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right up there with Little Rita for me, Tom. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, so there's some other... Anyways, as Tom says, it's a little bit better than you would think. A little bit of a buddy-buddy movie, but the, as I said, comedy. Oh, let's let's show the cast. Oh, one of, one of my favorite actresses, Tom. Nelby? Oh, yeah. She's worth watching it. Oh, man. Yep. Definitely. And they got Keenan Wynn, for, but he That's lost Alfredo, about a foot yeah, off Alfredo his height. Alfredo Mayo, but yeah, he's the Keenan Wynn double. The uh, oh, right. <laughs> of course he is, Tom. Yep. He was in the great race as Hezekiah. <laughs> but uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, so I, this one's not an important one to see. It's on VHS, right, Tom? Yep. So anyway. We made it to DVD for good reason. <laughs> yeah. We forgot. Let's go back for a second, Tom. Uh, I don't know if you have any notes on. He was supposed to make a great titled film called A Rope for Django, Tom. Yeah, I told Jay I don't have anything on these but the title. 1970, he was supposed to make a film. The English title is A Rope for Django. Also that year, he was supposed to be in an Italian film called Beni, Leora del Massacre, e fu la resa de Cante, which translates into the hour of the massacre came and it was the reckoning. And that's all I have on it. I have no idea on who the directors were to be or any other stars, just the fact that that's two films that were never made that he was going to be in. Well, two more that he could have, would have, should have, huh, Tom? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, here we are at the home stretch of uh, taking a look at uh, Mark Damon's uh, at Spaghetti Western career. At, is it, or can you call it Italian Westerns, Tom, or is that a different genre? It's because they call them Italian Westerns. To me, they were made in Italy only. They must be a Spaghetti Western. Yeah, if it's Spaghetti Western, it could be... Spain, Italy, Spain, Mexico, Italy, France. Both, yeah, France, Germany. Or Sweden, Tom. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. <laughs> right. South Africa. Right. So, but Savage Pampas is a spaghetti western, Tom, in my for opinion. For you, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the debate but continues. I draw the line at Mexico. I draw the Mexico, line. You do, Tom. A, not a western. Savage Pampas is not a spaghetti western. Okay. Let's move on, Tom. Is old Shatterfoot or Shatterhand, Tom? Well, th those are those are designated as German westerns. Winnetou films. They've got their okay. own little 
category. They All fit right, in you so, Euro Tom. westerns, but not spaghetti westerns. I love when Tom um, <laughs> lectures. I sit and, and just listen. Anyway, let's take a look at uh, this one's lesser end of his career, but it's still a starring role, Tom, as, as Alan Hershkovitz. Oh, you're talking about Pistol Pack and Preacher? Yes, Tom. Wow, that's a goodie. That was directed by Leopoldo Savannah. Uh, also has Richard Melville, who is actually Rosario Borelli, Pietro Cecciarelli, Veronica Korosek, and Florana Di Bernardo. Um, you've never heard of any of these people, and that's why it's not a very good film. Well, Tom, well, you know what they did get? Sean Connery for the poster. Yeah, yeah right. Could you, don't shoot me on the top of the head there. <laughs> <laughs> this is about a lazy gunman named Slim, played by Damon, who joins a traveling Italian pizza baker, Jeremiah, played by Pietro Cecciarelli, who that's supposed to be Pietro Cecciarelli. He was a bald Italian actor, pops up as a strong man, a blacksmith in a lot of the Westerns. Anyways, the Jer Jeremiah has two daughters, and uh, taking advantage of an astronomical miracle, a solar eclipse, how many times did we see that? Uh, too many, Tom. Yeah, they try to get their hands on a treasure hidden by a not-so-respectable small-town banker. This, this to me, is tied with uh, your, your favorite. They called him Veritas as Damon's worst spaghetti westerns. We have even got to that, Tom. Yeah. This, I love they call him Veritas. This is the time he was starting to consider getting out of acting and going into producing. Right, Tom, I got this. This was in my file, too. Is this from Pistol Packin' or Pistol Poking? No, that's Guy Madison. And, uh, oh, that's uh, Reverend Re Colt, Tom. Colt. <laughs> What's he doing I think in he's my, uh, set to shoot in my Pistol Packin' Preacher? Well, he is a Pistol Packin' Preacher. but <laughs> You say that three times this fast, Tom. This one, yeah. That's great. Oh, man, I knew this looked familiar. This guy anyway, uh, let me find another one from the film. Tom, you don't, just as I do, slapstick at its worst? Yes. Um, yeah. But when there's nobody in the film other than the main actor that you've ever heard of, you can tell pretty well it's not a good film. There we there go, there Tom. Yep. He's doing a good Gemma impression in this one, yeah, Tom. Yep, yep. Yeah, this is the Nadir, the bottom of the barrel... Uh, oh, that's better. Make a good double bill with Reverend Colt, Tom. Uh, I asked Jay before we started this. I thought there was a rumor at one time, or it was fact, that Mark Damon was always known as having more teeth than the <laughs> than the average person. Like we're supposed to have twenty-four teeth, and he had like thirty or something. He's like a shark, Tom. He's got an extra row of teeth. <laughs> if anybody is some... out there that remembers that or can. Confirm that. Let us know in the comments. But right. it was funny because I, I, one of his professions that he was going to go into when he was at UCLA was he was studying to be a dentist. And that's what sort of rang a bell that he had more teeth than the average person did. So More teeth than the average bear, Tom. <laughs> so let's take a look at uh, the nadir of his career, Tom, about four con men who try to stay oh. a, a step ahead of the law. Uh Anyways, Tom will say this is one of the worst spaghetti westerns of all time. But is it is it really up there with um, what's it called? Two hamburgers, a hot dog, and a chili bean. Oh, <laughs> karate fist and beans. This is up there with uh, patience has a limit. We don't. That's right. It's, That's what I was trying to compare it to. And when I when I looked at the poster, the guy carrying the Gatling gun, it looks like William Berger, doesn't it? And I thought, oh, oh in man, a way, this is going to. Oh be my William God! Berger. It is Bill Berger. 
acting under another name with Mark Damon. What, what is Banjo doing in this film, Tom? Yeah, this might be a That's nice Bill Berger or William Smith, Tom. But it's not. Sorry, we lost. Anyways, April this Fools. was directed by Luigi Pirelli. I have no idea who that is. Well, the name gives it away, Tom. And the cast is a no bunch of nobodies. Mark Damon, Pat Negro, or Nigro, N-I-G-R-O. His real name is Pasquale. Pietro Cecciarelli again, Franco Garofalo, and Maria Dia Caronato. Bunch of no Pietro Pietro Torisi is in this. That's and he just plays a saloon patron. So yeah, if you about, blink, you miss him, Tom. He yeah. looks like he's uh, the star of that TV show Voyagers, Tom. There you go. From the mid '80s. Yep. Or, the or maybe that's uh, maybe that's um, Battlestar Galactica, Tom. Yep. Anyways, this is about four con men. Try and stay one step ahead of the law and strike it rich without actually engaging in anything resembling work. Uh, they acquire a book entitled How to Make Money in the West. And Veritas, played by Damon and his partners, try con games until, until you know what, they get caught. Uh, I call it one of the worst spaghetti westerns uh, in, his, in not only his career, spaghetti westerns. And it's tied with Pistol Pack and Preacher as, as the two worst westerns that he did yeah here he looks like um the guy from animal like house franco frankie tim matheson tim matheson yeah anyway yeah that is a nadir not a way to go out on a spaghetti western career but most of them do tom it ends with a with a with a whimper that was even if was you're a legend yep. you'll be in two or three terrible films yep. you know um and uh but it doesn't matter because what happens 30, 40 years later, you have guys like you and I calling them classics. We have an, an audience of almost 1,500 worldwide fans who chime in every week, Tom. And uh, they're interested in this stuff. And Mark Damon is definitely up there, uh, regardless of how many clunkers they make. It's, they're yeah. still a, a legend in the genre, Tom. Well, he, re he resurrected his career by being a producer. And that's what he likes to talk about, and that's what he wants to be remembered for. So, uh, cheers to him. He did make it after coming out of this. Tom will tell us how much is going on as we present the Spaghetti Western Weekly News. All right. Well, there is a new German DVD release called Ein Kugel für den Bastard, which is a rope for a bastard. 1968's beginning. Wait, 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 wait Tom. Ein Kugel gucken Bastard. Ein Kugel für den Bastard. Ein Kugel feigen Bastard. Okay, yep. just wanted to make sure. Uh, directed by Amasi Damiani, starring Dick Palmer, Kathleen Parker, Barth Warren. Remember him? It's on the Mr. Banker Films Cargo Records label. It's on in PAL. Dolby Digital 2.0 Mono, only in German, and with a running time of 78 minutes. Extra include a theatrical trailer. It was released today. There's a picture of it. That's a rare one, but if it's only in German, you know, got to get what you get. Uh, that's it for the news on that. Passings, French composer, singer, musician, writer, actor, Gerard Filippelli died on March 30th. He was 78. He was born in Paris on December 12, 42. Philip Pelle was the founder and member of the Charlottes, C-H-R-L-O-T-S. It's a French group. Uh, Gerard appeared as Phil as well as with the Charlottes in the 1969 
Euro Western TV film, The Man Who Came From Cher. Um, know little about that film. As far as birthdays are concerned, Chip Corman, who's actually Andrea Giordana, turned 75 on the 27th. Our buddy Quentin Tarantino turned 58 on the 27th. Terrence Hill turned 82 on the 829th. Luis Bakalov, composer, would have been 88 on the 30th. Toshiro Mifuni would have been 101 today, or I'm sorry, yesterday. Antonio Sabato would have been 78 today, just recently passed away. Yes, he did. And Martin Brochard is 77 today. And one shout out, uh, happy birthday to past guest author, Ulrich Bruckner, whose birthday was on the 28th. So we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I'm Jay Jennings, and this uh, was... I'm Tom Betts. We want to thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week. Same Spaghetti Western time. Uh, same Spaghetti Western channel. Tom, what do we always say? Adios, amigos. Adios, and I always say adios. Compañeros! Join us next time on the Spaghetti Westerns podcast. Adios, compañeros! Compañeros!